What's up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse, and I am back with the crew from the Locks of Saturday. Chris, Brett, and Ed are with me this week. And fellas, it's a big, big week in Hokie country. The Hokies are renewing their rivalry with West Virginia for the first time since 2004, I believe. The Mountaineers are heading into Blacksburg. Now, we're recording this late, late on Monday night. It'll come out to you about Thursday morning, so might be a little bit delayed, but real quick, guys, before we get started, 30 seconds tops, your prediction for the Hokies and the Mountaineers. Yes, you will all look pretty stupid, I'm guessing, on, on Friday. If you're like my mom, who listens to the podcast after she has watched all the college football games and then texts me about how bad all of our picks were. Uh, on Tech being an underdog at home on a Thursday night, with this team, sure I can see it, but I'm not betting. I'm not betting West Virginia. So, just simple as that. I go for it. So the uh, the clear takeaway is is does this offensive line block or do they not? If they block and they fix a lot of the issues they've had along the offensive line, um, and that relates to a uh, sustainable run game, sure I can see the Hokies uh, winning. Uh, not comfortably close game, uh, but if they don't. Um, and somehow they have to play catch-up scoring, it could be a long night. Yeah, the offensive line and wide receivers for Virginia Tech have been a problem all year, and um, kind of depending on which JT Daniels shows up, I think it's going to be an interesting game. But if I had to bet money on the game, I'd probably bet on West Virginia, but that might be more of an emotional hedge. I don't, I'm not really sure uh, which way this one's going to go, but like Chris said, big concerns about the offensive line. Um, if they're able to get a little bit of a push and – Open some holes for Keyshawn King. I think Virginia Tech has a good shot, especially at home on a Thursday. But the lack of explosive offense through the air so far in the non-Wofford games is a little bit concerning. Definitely some concerns in the Hokies offense, but you're looking at a West Virginia defense that is really, really bad. Kansas marched up and down the field against the Mountaineers. If I'm betting on this game, Hokies money line is the smart bet. I think home team, short week, definitely goes to the home team. We'll talk about that. Um, kind of those trips cross country. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod, but if I had to go somewhere, I'd go Hokies money line plus money here uh, should be a really fun time in lane stadium. Well, let's go through some standings fellas. I'm going to be honest, not our best work so far through this, through this year, Chris, uh, you'd had a really bad week last week. Horrible. Uh, you're supposed yeah. to be the guy making the good picks and um, you are slipping. And I, I, I blame myself. I don't know for that dismal performance that I, I did a lot of reflecting over the weekend. And so I'm going to, I'm going to stand to myself and whatever I had the gut intuition to do this week, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. So get ready for some winners. That's very smart. Brett, you are leading the pack right now at eight and eight. Yours truly. And Chris are tied at seven and nine. Robert's at five and 11 Ed at three and 13, but there is a lot of football left to go. And we have a really fun slate for you tonight. Let's start in the ACC. At noon, Clemson, seven-point dogs at Wake Forest. This game will be on ABC. The over-under is set at 55 and a half. Brett, you're up first since our friend Robert is in probably around this time enjoying a Mai Tai at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. Well, I would kill to be him right now. But uh, back to Clemson. I think um, – I think I'm on Clemson here just for the sole fact. I think West this Wake Forest team is not as good as people are making them out to be last uh, last year. 
they are they were in a dogfight last week with Liberty, which for a Liberty team, I don't think they're that great. Um, I don't think this West this Wake Forest team is like our typical Dave Clawson team that you know super physical, you know, pretty disciplined. Uh, I just don't see it. I think that the defense um, from Clemson is just going to absolutely destroy every well, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest existence this week. Um, it's going to come down to if Clemson can score the football, and I think they will be able to. I think Wake Forest defense is not as good as it has been the last couple of years. Um, they're, I think they only returned, I can't, uh, I can't remember off the bulk up back to that, but they returned not many starters on defense, obviously more on offense, including Sam Hartman, but I think their defense is just too ridiculous for them to be more than a touchdown. Um, not more than a touchdown, I should say. So even though it's at Wake Forest, who the hell cares? I don't think Winston-Salem is a scary place to play. So I, I got Clemson here, um, I think by two scores pretty safely. Yeah, I also like Clemson here. I for all the same reasons you just said. Uh, the Clemson defense is uh, the the front seven, the, the defensive line, uh, Brian Bercy, all those guys are nasty. Uh, the Clemson offense is still kind of concerning though. They don't seem to have the, the talent players that they've had in the past. I know Will Shipley's a good player, but wide receivers are still kind of questionable, and DJ Uyunglele's ability is still very much in question. Um, kind of all across the country at this point, it seems. After that little taste of Cade Klubnik we all got, um, I think a lot of people are clamoring for more of that. But we'll see what uh, DJ is able to do with the Clemson offense. But in general, I agree. I don't think Wake Forest is what they were last year. Sam Hartman had a really good year last year. I, I just don't think he can replicate that success again. Um, Liberty is without their starting quarterback from last year and a guy who was the third overall pick who just got done getting his first taste in the NFL tonight and Malik Willis. And they took Wake Forest right down to the line. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Wake Forest has the guns to keep up with Clemson, particularly that Clemson defense. They're as scary as always. Um, but it all comes down to DJ for Clemson and if he can get them back to where they belong in terms of the national scene. So I'm going to go with Clemson on the road. But um, the Clemson offense still has concerns in terms of the grand scheme of things. Also, Liberty's stupidest two-point play conversion I've ever seen in my life last week. Yeah, they went really far away from the goal line to try to then get to the goal line. Very interesting. Also, Charlie Brewer, he's still hurt, right? I think he's retired. I'm pretty sure he's done. He had. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he's done. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Okay. Well, that will be interesting. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there in in November. But uh, you guys know I love Sam Hartman. I really do. I love Wake Forest uniforms. I love their quarterback. I love their coach. But what I don't love is their history against Clemson. Clemson has won the last 10 of these meetings. Um, and Clemson, we're talking about them. Oh, they can't score as much, yada, yada, yada. Clemson's six and three against the spread in their last nine. And in this year, they're averaging over 41 points a game. I know they haven't played great defenses, but they are still putting the ball in the end zone. So I, I'm not too worried about Clemson's offense here. They match up well against this opponent. And also Wake Forest is not a team that plays well as the underdog. Wake Forest are one and four against the spread in their last five as a dog. Um, I, I think Clemson makes a, I don't want to say a national statement, but I think they cement themselves as a top four team in the country this week. And I, I think they might dominate this game. So I'm going to go Clemson big. So here's where I had to kind of pivot from last week. And so having the dismal 0-5-ish game uh, selection off the board last week, I figured, you know what, 
this is a moment in time where if you ever listen to the old Bill Simmons betting podcast, he said, never bet against God and puppies. And that's essentially Sam Hartman. He is, he is God and puppies kind of rolled into one human being as a quarterback. You can't bet against Sam Hartman, uh, but I am. I am this week. I'm taking Clemson. I'm laying the points. And this is the big reason why for me, Dave Clawson's been there since 2014. He's 0-8 versus Clemson. In that same time frame, they've been outscored. Uh, Clemson has outscored Wake Forest 330 to 106. Don't worry about doing the average score margin math. I did it for you. It's 41-13 average score across each of those games. Closest loss uh, for Wake Forest, you can even call it that, closest loss was by 14 points. Uh, we alluded to the fact that last year that was probably the best version of Wake Forest that we'll possibly see because they did lose some key pieces. Uh, I do believe that that was also a three-touchdown loss to Clemson, in which case Clemson last year was the worst version of Clemson we've seen in the last few years. Um, so it, it, this is usually kind of the, the, the time where whenever it comes to Clemson playing, you know, the Wake Forest, this is like a talent wins out type of game um, where this, this, the defensive line, uh, that they have in place at Clemson is enough to kind of just disturb whatever it is Wake Forest is trying to do for the slow developing mesh point type plays. Um, and the recruiting disparity kind of just is more apparent on the screen than in any other type of matchup that they usually play. So um, I'm pivoting and now I'm looking at across the board, we all took Clemson. And so of course this is probably going to be Wake now, but uh, I, I feel like one that since we're all in agreement, come on, this, this has to work out. So that, that, that's a good thing that my intuition was right. Clemson's going to pull out. Well, I don't have Robert's picks yet. So oh, maybe yeah, Robert's yeah. going to go Wake Forest. Yeah, he, no, oh, no, he's definitely not. His wife's from Clemson. Never yeah. mind. He will, <laughs> not go, he will not go Wake uh, Forest. Interesting, interesting stat. This line actually opened at Clemson as a, mi- a minus 14 and a half point favorite. So that's what it opened at. And it's moved that much since it opened. So. If that tells you anything, people were hammering Wake Forest, obviously, because they're like, oh, my God, two touchdown favorite, two touchdown favorite. So that's why I think and I think you're getting honestly pretty good value at seven. And again, we're recording this Monday night. By the time you go to place your bets, whether that be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, wherever this line could have moved. I still think Clemson wins big. I think you're safe with anything single digits with Clemson. Yeah. I think I think you're safe with that bet. Let's move on to our next one. Brett, we. I mean, do you want to take over this game? This is your game. This is your matchup. So Duke Blue Devils plus nine at Kansas. Battle of the unbeatens. Oh, my gosh. Un- where, how far we've come from last year when I covered this game. That was actually an electric game last year. Their defenses were non-existent last year on the field. Duke had the worst defense in the country in 2021. And this year, one of the better defenses, which was just – Goes to show that Mike Elko, obviously one of the defensive masterminds of college football, um, has really turned a program around in a matter of months. I mean, he he came on board with Cutcliffe, obviously kind of resigned, you know, asked to retire or whatever. And, I mean, Elko was hired in December or January. I can't remember. Obviously, he's done it in less than a year. And he's it's a different Duke team. You know, everybody, everybody was chalking Duke off as a win for Virginia Tech this year. Not so fast as Lee Corso would say. I'm not too sold on that. However, while Duke is Duke is nine point underdogs at Kansas, uh, I'm going Kansas. I, I think there's electric right now. They are on. They just are on fire. As is Duke, but Kansas play right now is just on a different level than Duke. Duke hasn't really played too many tough opponents. As many tough opponents as Kansas has, obviously West Virginia in a shootout with them, and then Houston last week, right? Um, 
So it's just the caliber of play, I think, is just a little higher for Kansas to be able to give me that edge and being at Kansas. When Kansas football is good, Kansas fans are insane. Like, it's just like when they're bad, there's like, whatever, we'll go to basketball. But like when their football team is good, it's a different beast there. So I think being at Kansas, I think Kansas gets done. Nine is a weird number. Um, It's like, you know, it's it's like on the cusp, you know, if you think they're really better two scores than, uh, than Duke. And I think they are at home. I think you can, I think you can get them 10, 12 point win here. So I'm going with Kansas. Yeah. I'm also on Kansas. Um, I'm going with the best player on the field theory here for Kansas and their quarterback and Jalen Daniels. He has been fantastic for them so far this year. Seven touchdowns through the air, another three on the ground, only one interception. And according to my little ESPN app in front of me, he has the number one rated QBR in the country through three games. Yeah, Um, insane. (laughs) Yeah, but that Kansas quarterback play, you know, it's just tradition out there in Kansas for good quarterback play. But dual threat guy who has been – a relatively mistake three free through three games. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas at home against a Duke team that while improved, I still think they, they don't have, they don't have the guns to keep up with what has been a high powered Kansas offense. You guys, I'm right there with you. I, I think he's the best player on the field. I really like this Kansas team. I think they've played well. I think Duke has played well as too, but look at the opponents they've played. One of the worst teams in FBS in Temple. They blanked them 30 to nothing. Okay, whatever. Then you play Northwestern. Now that Northwestern looked really good. Eight-point win on the road. You were 10-point underdogs. Looked really, really good. Northwestern is not a good football team at all. They lost to Southern Illinois last week. And nobody's talking about it. I mean, this is a team that their best win on their resume in these three wins is to a team that just lost to an FCS team. I do not think Duke is that good. Chris, you said it earlier. This is what they do. They're going to win a few games to start, and then they're going to blank the rest of the year. I think they're going to be better. I think Mike Echol has that program going in the right direction. But traveling across the country for this game, a game that Kansas is going to be hyped up for, give me the Jayhawks in this one, and give me the Jayhawks by two touchdowns. Nine is a big spread. I think for this matchup, especially considering how back and forth the game was last year, but I like Kansas. If also, if there's a if there's a team outside of the Big Twelve that Kansas hates, it's Duke. Especially when you take it into the basketball season, Kansas fans despise Coach K and Duke and everything that has to do with them. This was another one where I, like I said, I'm trying to go opposite time. So my initial gut reaction, and you guys all remember, I took Duke to get to four wins, carry their over-under on wins on the season uh, by October time frame. Um, I think by the end of October is what I said. But And they're right there with three wins. So this, of course, would get them over the hump. Uh, but I, I do feel like they'll probably accomplish that uh, either in the next week against UVA or follow-on against Georgia Tech. I do not see it happening in this game, and I'll probably come with some more of my kind of metrics here. But this, to me, is a battle of two rushing attacks, if you can believe it or not. Uh, they both kind of have the same 35 to 24 run-pass snap splits right now. But Kansas, right now, second in the country. SRS, simple rating system in terms of rushing. They're right behind Alabama, who is number one, and just above Texas and Ohio State. Uh, so you can probably tell just by the names who are in that audience right now that this is a stat that kind of shows the true meritocracy of teams that are good at doing one specific thing. Uh, and that's Kansas right now. Duke overall pretty good. They're at seventh 
Um, but I just look at, because SRS is opponent adjusted and how dominant you were, I just feel like what Kansas was able to do versus West Virginia Houston was to me more impressive than what Duke uh, did versus Temple Northwestern. And on top of that, Lance Leipold, or Leipold, is it Leipold, Leipold? I cannot remember how to pronounce his last name. I ever. think it's Leipold. Leipold, whatever it is. He also has the benefit of showing that he's been able to instill this, this, this implement, this run-based approach at multiple schools now. He did it at Buffalo. If anybody ever paid attention to Maction uh, the last few years, he was definitely really successful in creating like a run, you know, heavy type attack. It was pretty good to have them uh, consistently performing well against the spread because they would just dominate the, uh, the time of possession. Um, and so with them being in year two with Leipold uh, there, um, I just feel like they are more mature in what they're trying to do and getting this game at home. Um, and so that to me was more reflective in the overall SRS rating, uh, which they're at, I think just in the top 20, they're at 19th Duke is at 42. And that to me where I started seeing the separation between the two teams. So um, I had been kind of, uh, looking more into the TARP metric, which is that, you know, returning production type based stat. And I feel like maybe in the first few weeks, that's something to lean heavier on because you don't have a lot of sample size and, and value to go off of production for the year. I'm going away from that now. I'm going to start looking more into SRS. It's kind of more mature kind of base look and trying to see who's doing what against who and doing it really, really well. And that's where I saw a lot of separation between these two teams. So it is nine. Nine makes me pretty uncomfortable. If it was maybe a few more points than the double digits, I might be prone to take Duke because I do think Duke is going to be able to actually score and, and move the ball just as well. But in this case where I have more known with Kansas, I'm just going with the Kansas and laying the points. Don't feel great about it, uh, but I am taking the Jayhawks. Should be a fun one indeed, Brett. I'm sure you'll be watching very, very closely for this one. And we'll see if it's a precursor to a bigger and better basketball game this year moving it back to the east coast there is a really really fun one happening right down the road here in chapel hill north carolina where the notre dame fighting irish are coming down to play the north carolina tar heels this game is a pick em on the DraftKings sports book right now um i think it might stay pretty close to that i think if it goes anywhere you'll start to see north carolina minus one and a half North Carolina minus two, something like that. But as of 1047 PM on Monday night, it is still a pick them. The game will be at three 30 on ABC over under 59 and a half. Brett. Hand up. I'll say it. I was severely wrong about Notre Dame this year. That was bad take by me. I'll own it. I thought they, their, their quarterback plays, but destroyed them. And it was clear. And I, bought into them being able to control it, but obviously that's just not been the case. They almost, they pretty much tried to blow last week to Cal, but improved Cal team, but still Notre Dame's on a different caliber and should have no business being in a game like that with Cal. So, um, however, if there's a team that Notre Dame's offense can actually do something against, it is this team. North Carolina's defense, as we know, is one of the worst in the country. And they severely struggle. This line opened as as a six as Notre Dame as a six and a half point favorite. So obviously, people at home, North Carolina at home, people are hammering. Wow, six and a half point dogs at home. Sure, we'll hammer North Carolina. That's where the money's going. For those who don't understand, I know Chris Himes will definitely chime in on this. Playing 
a home game at UNC, that actually means nothing. That actually might mean negative points because I bet <laughs> there's probably going to be just as many Notre Dame fans there as there are probably UNC fans. Notre Dame fans travel. So being at home for me, for UNC, means absolutely nothing to me. So that's why I'm taking Notre Dame to pick them. I just think they are the better team. I, I really do. I think um, North Carolina, obviously, that went at App State, absolutely crazy. Um, it's kind of, you know, you can – put some perspective into that, but I mean, App State should have lost it. I mean, App State won a miracle to Troy. I mean, I think App State is a good G5 team, but I don't, they're kind of showing some colors where they might not be as good as they once were, as people thought they were going to be. So I still think Notre Dame, I think Marcus Freeman has kind of got his back against the wall right now. And I think this is where um, he goes down to North Carolina and makes a statement as the bigger physical team. And that's what they always are. At least they're going to be physical. So, and like I said, the, uh, there's a team that they're going to be able to score points against. It's going to be this one. So give me give me Notre Dame. Don't feel good about it. But give me them at uh, in the pick'em. Yeah, with the pick'em line, I have a hard time taking Notre Dame here. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with North Carolina, the home team, um, with the better offense and definitely the better quarterback. Drake May's had a really good year so far, um, and we all saw the the videos and the memes of the Notre Dame OC and quarterback exchange going on after during the last game. Um, things are not well in the offensive room for Notre Dame right now and the quarterback room in particular. So I'm going to go with the better quarterback in Drake May, the home team in North Carolina. Um, while everything Brett said is true, Notre Dame is more physical and bigger, and they will probably be able to move the ball with more success against North Carolina. I'm not sure they'll be able to move the ball with enough success with just the way things are going offensively for the Irish right now. So I'm going to go with the home team in North Carolina and Drake May to put up more points. Um, the over under at 59 and a half is interesting. I'm not sure Notre Dame will be able to hold up there under the bargain there. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what that line is by the time the game starts, but I'm going to go with North Carolina to win this one and to pick them at home. I, for one, am not going to bet against head coach Marcus Freeman when he is undefeated as a Roman Catholic. That's right. He converted to Roman Catholicism right before the Cal game. Notre Dame beats Cal. Um, in serious now, I, I do think Notre Dame has started about as poorly to this season as they could have, but that defense is pretty good. I know their offense is atrocious, but the defense has kept them in games. It kept them in the game at Ohio State. It was pretty stifling against Cal. A couple plays just didn't go their way, and the offense, quite frankly, was so bad to start the game and hurt. I think this defense is going to be able to you know, stop you and see enough times to let their offense do something. And I'll tell you what, if there's an ailing offense, the one thing that might help them out is this UNC defense that is currently 120th in the country in EPA defense. Um, that includes a game against Florida A&M. So this North Carolina team is not good defensively. Yes, they can put up a ton of points. They probably will put up a ton of points, but I'm going to go with Notre Dame in this one. I don't think North Carolina gets it done. Like you said, Brett, I think you're getting a few points here by it being in North Carolina. I don't think that matters very much. I would say probably 40% of the people there are going to be Notre Dame fans. Um, and I, I just, Notre Dame is one of those teams that when you start to doubt them, that's when they show up. They're a good team on the road, nine and one on the road in their last 10 straight up. I like Notre Dame here. So I'm going to pick the Irish. I hate it. It's disgusting. It's ugly, but I cannot pick that UNC defense. So I'm going with the Irish. 
in agreement here, Sam, on this one. And uh, you hit the nail on the head. You said it was a 120th in EPA in terms of expected points added against that UNC in total, excuse me, against that UNC defense. Just in total defense as well, they're 118th. Uh, so that backs that up. And just to put into perspective how bad that is, they have currently the 117th ranked strength of schedule. So they are dismal, dismal, dismal on defense. And I just believe that having that massive disparity because they have the sixth best offense and the 118th ranked defense, you're going to start racking up some losses there. That's too inconsistent. Um, and that is exactly what this type of game should be like, because as you alluded to, the Notre Dame defense is not that bad. I do think that they can slow down that UNC offense and, of course, the get right game on the opposite side for Notre Dame. So I'm in agreement with all that narrative on all those points. Um, one thing I, I also wanted to kind of get a feel on was if, if you remember last year, Clemson came out to a start and they faced Georgia in the first game of the season. And Georgia's version of Georgia last year was just a juggernaut. And I feel like that was kind of similar to this year with Notre Dame starting out against Ohio State, just a big slugfest. Um, obviously, they don't win that game. They don't have any kind of break going against Marshall. They get upset by Marshall. And then, of course, they're trying to just kind of feel themselves, themselves out under the new head coach to figure out what kind of identity they're going to be. I feel like that takes a little bit. You need some reps. You need some time to kind of develop the roster that you have as the new head coach. And I feel like this is that type of, just motions that they needed to go through as a program to get ready for this type of game where, yes, now you have a much less formidable defense to look at. Um, I, I just feel like this is going to be a, a different story. And uh, as Ed alluded to, I actually like the fact that the, uh, the coordinator was screaming at the top of his lungs into the phone against the quarterback at Notre Dame. I like tough coaching. Uh, I do feel like that stuff probably resonates pretty well um, just to kind of get those guys fired up to play, that they care that much as a staff. Um, so I, I just there's no sample size to based off of what's going to happen with Marcus Freeman when they kind of come off a few kind of tough and disappointing losses and then close wins. Uh, but I just feel like against such a soft opponent that is UNC, um, that tough type mindset that we all believe the theory of Marcus Freeman represents. I do think that's going to be pretty evident on the field. So I'm banking on Notre Dame on a pick them here straight up. Just the tougher team in this game wins. Yeah, I think the physicality of Notre Dame is going to be a difference maker in this game. But uh, this could be, don't talk about another man's job, but this could be the beginning of the end for Mac Brown. I could see, I could see North Carolina going on a bit of a slide after this game. The schedule does kind of ramp up for them. And if you think about how close the game was against Appalachian State, how close the game was against Georgia State, those are two teams that I know App State's very, very good. But those are two teams that you don't really want to go down to the last possession against, and they have. If they lose this game to Notre Dame, it will be a tough scene in Chapel Hill. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, Everyone can boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. Did you hear that? 100%? I'll have a parlay for you 
later in the show. With payouts even bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down a stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place $5 bet on any game. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. A minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show note for details. All right, let's go down south for this one, a big rivalry game in the SEC East. Florida Gators are plus 10 and a half underdogs traveling to Neyland Stadium to play Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers. This game will be 3.30 on CBS. Over-under is a whopping 62 and a half. Brett, an interesting SEC game that I know a lot of our listeners are probably going to tune into on Saturday. What's your pick for it? This is a tough one for me, honestly. I sat here and thought about it and tried to Figure out, you know, what do I like? What, what, what do I like about each team? Which team do I don't? What do I not like about each team? Well, the first thing I like is being in Neyland Stadium. You know, that's a big plus for Tennessee. I think that's a major factor for this game. Um, also, like Hendon Hooker. I mean, even on biased opinion, dude's just absolutely going nuclear. I mean, I think he's had two interceptions and 42 touchdowns in his last – oh, since he's taken over to starter. That's what it was. So he's taken over 42 touchdowns and two interceptions. I mean, that's – you put him on Alabama, he's won a Heisman already, in my opinion. So, it, it's – what he what he's doing down there is awesome, and I know a lot of Hokie fans, including me, are happy to see him that success down there. So, that's another reason why I like Tennessee. Um, what I don't like about Tennessee is big stage games, typically, they're – they don't – it just doesn't happen. I don't know why. It's kind of like they're snake-bitten when they're on the big stage. They just can't make it happen. So, that's what makes me nervous about them. Uh, especially at night, they there they struggle. But uh, what I do also, what I do not like about the other side is Florida. As you can see, where my pick is going, I think people are figuring it out. Uh, I don't, still not sold on Billy Napier at Florida. Uh, just something just doesn't feel right there. It kind of feels like the beginning of the Mike Norvell, uh, like Mike Norvell at Florida State. Although Mike, I will say Mike Norvell is off topic a little bit. Tar- seems Florida State is different team right now. So. Maybe a bad comparison, but Napier, I'm not sure if I'm vibing with what's going on with Florida right now. I don't think Florida fans are kind of vibing with what's going on right now. It's just like they're in a weird spot. Um, second thing is Anthony Richardson. Yeah, great. Everybody had his Heisman. Yeah, that was killed in like two weeks. I don't think he's that good. Yeah, great. He can run the ball and do all this stuff, but I don't even think he's that good. So I, I'm not sold on him. And Lastly, I just think Tennessee is the better team and the more well-coached team right now. I think Napier is still learning his way through the SEC um, as a head coach. So I think after kind of just pointing a few things out that I've said, I think I'm going with Tennessee here. It's a lot of points for an SEC game, but I think Tennessee just is the overall better team. And I think Florida, especially, I would say I'm kind of digress on the USF game because he wanted to, but Florida should have lost last week. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm on Tennessee here too. I, I put some money on Hendon Hooker, uh, preseason to win the Heisman. He's been, you know, everything that they've expected him to be. He's been phenomenal. Continuing my theme of the night of going with the better quarterback, uh, and definitely the better team here. I think, in my opinion, 
I wish it was, you know, nine and a half. I would love to see it get bet down between now and when the game starts, but um, I, I'm still regardless going to go with Tennessee here and feel, feel decently confident about that. Um, definitely the better quarterback. I, I still think Helker could win the Heisman, which would be pretty cool. Um, so go in Tennessee. Guys, I don't like betting on certain teams. One of them is Tennessee, but my goodness, I think Tennessee is going to smoke Florida. This game should not be close. Florida is an awful team. That offense is atrocious. Right now, Florida is the number 127th EPA passing offense in the country. 127th. And they're going up against a team that is 12th in defense in Tennessee. We're talking a lot about Hendon Hooker and this Tennessee offense, not talking about the strides that they've made defensively in the offseason. We know they can throw the ball. We know they're going to score a ton of points. I don't think there's a shot in the world that Florida can, can hang with Tennessee's offense in this one, especially with how good Tennessee's defense has been playing. Florida is one of those teams as well that has been grossly, grossly overrated for not only this season, but last season as well. Florida's 1-9 against the spread in their last 10 games, and they're 0-8 against the spread in their last eight road games. Not a good team. They should have lost to Utah. They should have lost to South Florida. They could be 0-3 right now. They probably should be 0-3 right now. Um, I think Tennessee wins this one in an absolute landslide. Now, of course, saying that we're all picking Tennessee, Florida's probably going to have a game like they had against Utah where the ball bounces their way, they get the big plays, and that's that. But I do think playing in Neyland Stadium is going to give them, is going to give Tennessee that little bit of extra juice that they need to match Florida's athleticism because I do think Florida's still a very talented team. They just have not put it together, and I agree. I think there's a very, very short leash in the head coaching spot for Florida. So, um Give me, give me Tennessee in this one. I feel pretty confident about it. I know 10 and a half is big. I wish it was nine and a half. Maybe it'll move that way later in the week. So if you want to sit and wait on it, maybe grab it at nine and a half. But even at 10 and a half, I'm going with Rocky Top. Yeah, you guys all read my statements on the slack pretty much throughout the day i had no feel for this game at all whatsoever and and i had the thought process around some of the points that everybody had made i just the number the number at minus 10 and a half was throwing me off because it just seemed like too many points given tennessee's you know fairly less than stellar home night record at neyland stadium and granted you know that's under previous regime so it's really just kind of year two with hypo here really kind of year one with him having kind of a little bit more momentum coming in the program, which makes it really hard to really gauge where they're at as a program. But after thinking about it, I kind of figured it out, and I don't feel like this is hyperbole. They're the third best team in the SEC. Uh, so when I finally realized that, when I looked across the board, because I feel pretty confident in saying that, um, that to me made more sense that let's go ahead and lay the points. Let's take Tennessee. And the other part of that was that I have no idea what Florida is in game four under Billy Napier. There's no feel for at all what their scheme is going to be from week to week. And I've watched all their games except for last week's. Um, and then going back to a way he kind of called games at Louisiana Lafayette, it was kind of the same. It was a lot of muck it up, win ugly, at all costs kind of stuff. And that, that's fine in the Sun Belt when the talent level is at that level. And the games are a little bit more closer in terms of the, the rosters. But 
I now know specifically what Tennessee is going to give me, and that's scoring and a lot of it. And the reason I know that is because right now they're second overall only behind USC in terms of offensive scoring SRS. And that's been a trend even going back into last season where really they lost some close games against the mid-level part of the SEC, but they really only got blown out by Georgia and Alabama. Welcome to the rest of the country. <laughs> you know, the problem with those two programs. So if that is what you are seeing yourself behind, and where you're at in the SEC, I feel like they've definitely plussed themselves in front of the rest of the pack. Um, another thing, too, is the, the defense. You know, they might be athletic, but they don't really do much in terms of havoc. They don't disturb the other team. And, and I looked at that to back that up. And really, Florida right now in the first three games, they're at the bottom or near the bottom of the Power Five across all turnover, tackles for loss, and sacks across the board. So now I'm getting that scoring offense with clean pockets and time to throw the ball down the field with that offense. And it just made me like it even more. So I, I, I know Tennessee is going to give me points. I don't know if the Gators can score enough to keep up because they seem kind of capped into like a mid twenties type style scoring offense. And that's probably at best. And th this might be one of those ones where it's probably looks like a terrible pick Florida scores, like an early touchdown and we all kind of creep back, but then, I think this is going to be one where Tennessee just kind of lays it on them for the rest of the game. So Sam, I'm in full agreement. I think that this is going to be at a minimum type, like a 14 point type style blowout. Uh, I just, there's nothing in this game. And, and of course I'm saying this, and this is going to be the game where, like you said, Florida kind of turns it on and wins ugly, but off of everything prior going into the game analysis wise, there's no argument here. They can justify Florida taking Florida and taking the points. Here. This is not good. This no. is not good. Just so everyone knows, we don't tell each other these picks before no. we get on here. We kind of leave it as a surprise. When we're all picking the same teams, this is not a good sign. So you might want to fade us. I'm just saying. We're putting some really good points up there. Chris, everything you said was correct. I don't know, man. I don't know. This is not a good sign. But I do know no. that we will be disagreeing on this game. It is a very, very special game in my heart. It's a very special game in Chris's heart. It is a rivalry that's not so much a rivalry, but a game that has a lot of history behind it. Southern Cal is six and a half point favorites traveling up to Corvallis to play Oregon State in half a stadium, by the way. Half of that stadium is under construction in Corvallis. The game will be on Pac-12 Network at 9.30 at night, and the over-under is 68? Brett, first off, what are we doing putting this game at? on the Pac-12 network at 9.30. And better question is, are you taking over 68? Yeah, I think I'm taking over 68. I will. I think I would in this spot because USC is just straight up thrashing people right now. Kind of under the radar, though. You know, they are, you know, ranked in the top 10. You know, people, I think, were kind of skeptical of them just because of what Lincoln Riley being a first-year guy and taking Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams over there. They haven't really gotten a lot of spotlight. So I think they're kind of under the radar right now. Um, I think I've seen people in this chat use the little emoji, the shh emoji about them because they have been this little secret. Uh, I'm not, they're not a secret. I mean, USC is a big program, but they really have been impressive the last since the season started just quietly. They haven't been playing too many strong opponents, but they've been getting the job done where teams have passed USC have completely flopped or their season was over in week three. So with that being said, I think I'm going USC here. Um, I think Oregon State, obviously, super exciting team to watch. The fact that they're playing in half stadium is hilarious. Um, I would, I think, 
in any other spot, I think I would definitely pick Oregon State. I just think USC right now, they just seem like a different team. And I personally bet them every week this uh, so far, and it's done well for me. So I don't know. It's, it's just hard for me to go against USC right now. They look like a well-oiled machine. They look like what people thought Lincoln Riley was going to make them look like, and that's why I'm going USC. So um, give me USC. I'll take I'll take the uh, I'll eat the points at six and a half. Um, it's going the opposite way. It did open, I believe, at seven. So it has it has moved some. But uh, I think it's going to keep moving that way just because of Oregon State and how exciting they are to watch. But I'm still going with USC here. I'm on USC, too, continuing my quarterback theme. Caleb Williams has done everything he was expected to do when he transferred from Oklahoma. Jordan Addison, same story, but after his transfer from Pitt, He's been phenomenal. He has five touchdowns already on the year. Um, the Southern Cal offense is really good. Uh, and I actually hate admitting that because I was kind of rooting for them to fail, at least in year one, because the whole situation is so ridiculous. But they've been phenomenal so far, and I think that continues against Oregon State uh, and what should be a really fun game to watch. So to help you guys out with some college football history this game has is known as the giant slayer game because of the times that oregon state has taken down a, a highly highly ranked usc team it started in 2006 uh oregon state beat them in corvallis i believe usc was number one in the country that year and then next time they played in corvallis in 2008 they beat them again i believe that was uh was that john david booty playing the, the rogers brothers right the two yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next time they played in Corvallis in 2010, Oregon State won that game again against a highly ranked USC team. Uh, Oh, yeah. And Oregon State won the game in LA last year in 2021. So there is a history of Oregon State winning this game in Corvallis and upsetting a highly, highly ranked national title contending USC team, which is what they have here. Now, it is kind of a shame that Oregon State is doing this stadium construction. It should be really pretty when it's done, but football stadiums take a long time to be built. So half of their stadium's not there. I still think the environment will be weird enough, and that's a really long travel going from L.A. to Corvallis. It's a long travel, and Oregon State has been a really, really good team at home. They're 7-0 and in their last seven games at home. They're also 5-2 and against the spread in their last seven I really like this USC team. I think they're better than I thought they were going to be. Has their competition been great? No, but they looked really impressive against a good Fresno State team. However, I am not convinced on this defense yet. They are 124th in EPA per rush. There's only 130 teams. They have not done a good job defending the rush. That's something that I think Oregon State, who is 48th in the country in EPA per rush, so not great, but decent enough, I think Oregon State keeps this one closer than what people think. Give me the Beavers at home. I think they could pull the upset. I'm checking the money line right now. If you're feeling frisky about it, if you're feeling frisky on the Beavers, checking that right now. But I'll tell you what, USC is a good team, but this line is where it is for a reason. This is not a randomly picked line, right? They're not giving you free USC. Oregon State's a very good football team. They handled Boise State, and they handled a really good Montana State team who was in the FCS championship last year. And we've seen across college football, 
those top FCS teams are not pushovers. So um, plus two plus two hundred. Plus two hundred might be worth a flyer. Chris, your thoughts on this game. Sam, I'm going to go ahead and just give you the biggest upset of the week, which is the fact that I'm in agreement. I'm taking Oregon wow. State here at plus wow. six and a half. I did a lot. Remember what I said at the beginning of the podcast, the Costanza pivot. You got to do the exact opposite here. So I basically had to check my own bias at the door here and really think about what this game actually offered in terms of what you're, you're looking at. Um, and so you, you laid out a lot of the items that I kind of had an agreement with. It's Number one, it is very hard to pick against the wide receiver combo of Addison and Williams. But guess what? USC's had amazing wide receiver combos all for the last 20 years. So this is kind of more in just keeping up what they're used to having there. And they've lost this game before. But um, you, you hit the nail on the head with me. The key part about this game is going to be USC's defensive line and run defense overall is just not very good. And this game being played as early as it is in the season, I just feel like that development over the course of the year matters in this type of matchup earlier on. I feel like if this was a game being played later on the season and I saw some improvement in that regard, I'd be more pro to take in USC in this matchup, but I am not. So uh, I looked back at what I can really take from USC and I, I had to kind of almost reverse it back to where I can kind of get a gauge of Lincoln Riley as a coach and the programs that he's had before. And, you know, he's had an Addison Williams type combo before he had it with Marquise Brown and uh, CD lamb before it's pretty much the exact same type of combination. They had, of course, with all of the, you know, the Heisman type winning quarterbacks they've had there as well. But um, even in that sense, in conference games, Lincoln Riley against the spread never really performed that great. They won a lot of games. People had the perception that they were winning in blowouts but that was only a few times a year. It wasn't always the case when they got into Big 12 competition, which this is pretty indicative. I would consider Oregon State to be a pretty competent program, especially in the recent uh, um, few years here. So conference games overall is time at uh, OU, uh, 22 and 24 against the spread, 47.8%. And this was the big thing, way favorite, 5 and 12 and 1 against the spread, only 29%. So Lincoln Riley not necessarily prone to being a good coach, being a favorite, on the road um and then in terms of offensive srs this is different than the scoring metric this is total offensive ag aggregated srs scoring usc's number one right now guess who's number two it's an osu but it's not ohio state or oklahoma state it's oregon state all three osus in the top 10 uh, but oregon state is actually number two they're actually able to move the ball pretty well this season and i feel like usc's thing this year has been to get up to a quick early lead and they let the other team get out of their rhythm of what they wanted to do. But I feel like Oregon State is dynamic enough as a team that they can run and pass to be able to catch back up. Um, and I just feel like the other part of it is USC has basically gotten pretty lucky in terms of turnovers this year. Um, that, to me, is not sustainable week to week. Uh, They're the number one team in terms of benefiting from turnovers uh, in the nation right now. OSU is just as good. Uh, they're tied for 11. So even if you think that, you know, that might regress a little bit, I feel like both are prone to regress. And if not, they're also pretty disciplined across the board in terms of not turning the ball over as well. So I feel like kind of put that into uh, the, I guess, all together here. Um, I had this game circled early on as an uh-oh game for USC, looking at the entire season, as well as Utah. I still have no reason to go against that fact. 
Um, this will be a pretty, like you said, intense Corvallis crowd, even though if you have uh, the audience, I still feel like it's going to be different than what they faced thus far. So yes, I am taking the points. I'm going against my USC Trojans. I'm taking Oregon State in this game. Like I said, the Costanza pivot, do the exact opposite. Something that to keep in mind for everyone, when you're looking at teams that we expect to win a lot of games uh, like USC is you don't really expect them to go undefeated, right? I, I don't think we were saying 12 and 0. So that loss has to come somewhere. So let's look at USC's schedule. They've already gotten by Fresno State, which we thought could be a tough game. They have this game at Oregon State. Then they're playing Arizona State and Washington State at home. Washington State could be tough, but you expect them to win. At Utah, at Arizona, Cal, Colorado, UCLA, and Notre Dame. So if we think Notre Dame's not as good, we, USC probably wins that. They have three tough games left, Oregon State, Washington State, and Utah. If we think, hey, this is probably a 10-2 and two USC team, it's going to come somewhere in this season, right? Like they can't keep winning, and then we still think they're a ten and two team. So this is a mistake that I made last week, picking BYU to go up to Oregon, knowing good and well BYU was not going to go undefeated and win all of those tough games. I still pick them in probably their most likely time to lose. Don't do that. Don't make the mistake I made. USC is going to lose at some point this season, most likely. So don't keep riding them in these tough games. Oregon State's a tough place to play. They're a good team at home. However, USC could very well put up 50-plus points and steamroll them. So that also could be a possibility. Let's go ahead into our special picks of the week to round it up. Brett, you have been doing phenomenally in your nutty pick of the week. Yeah, 3-0 and on the most disgusting picks you can think of. But there's a trend, if you haven't been able to tell. Basically, I've been trending on these unders of these really big there's really bad big 10 offenses i mean it's just been kind of and it's worked and i mean it's worked really well it's going to come to a closing halt soon um this week i don't think it's going to get much worse than this but i just had to do it it is the most insane that i think i've ever placed in my life responsibly it's just i <laughs> i don't really have any words for it so i don't know if you guys have seen it but don't look it up Iowa Rutgers, what do you think the point total is at? Less than five touchdowns. It's college football, so I'll go 39 and a half. It is at 35 and a half. Ah. That's where I got it. And I smoked that line because I was like, that's just over five touchdowns. And I think five touchdowns is the absolute max that these two teams could score. Rutgers, uh, for first the first nutty pick of Rutgers, Boston College, that hit. That Rutgers offense is pretty abysmal. Uh, obviously, the big one was Iowa, Iowa State, and I thought it wouldn't get any worse than that under, four, I think it was 40 and a half. I was like, there's no way that they're going to get any worse. And it did. Iowa State, Iowa put up 17 points total. And so now we're here in week four, and it's Iowa Rutgers under 35 and a half. Um, that's what I'm taking. So that is my nutty pick of the week. I love it. I don't think anyone will be watching that game. I did. This is really dumb betting. Um, I was thinking about games that I wanted to bet this week as I was uh, walking on my way to work. I saw a red tail hawk just outside my apartment complex. Thought, oh, that's pretty cool. 
uh, kept walking and I saw one actually perched on a light post further on my walk. So I saw two hawks on my walk and then I decided I was going to win this football game. It's the signs. I, I had to bet it. it's the signs. So use that information as you will. Ed, your Southern fried, your Southern, shoot, Ed's Southern deep fried game. It's late. I'm sorry, Ed, your pick. That was brutal. Um, <laughs> almost as brutal as Texas A&M's quarterback play this year. Pretty bad. So, Not good. The game I'm picking is Arkansas and Texas A&M in Jerry World. And I'm going with Arkansas um, plus two and a half. Surprising there. Because, again, better quarterback. I'm going with K.J. Jefferson than the um, whoever A&M decides to roll out. It's kind of a battle of – you know, best on best, Arkansas's offense is definitely the better part of their team, as well as AM's defense for them. Um, I think Arkansas's offense wins out, and I don't think Texas AM will be able to score enough points, um, despite their their win this past week against Miami, uh, where they still only scored 17. So I think Arkansas is able to, to score against the very talented Texas AM defense, but Texas AM quarterback situation is as bad as Notre Dame's worse. I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but I'm going to go with Arkansas on this one. How has Texas A&M, they've bought the rest of their players, except for the most important position on the football field. Well, they got rid of the Cuban missile and he was probably the their best option and they kind of forced him out. So also how in the world did Miami not win that game or at least cover this? Oh, so they cool. outplayed them by a mile. That was my galaxy brain pick of like the century picking Miami plus five. People thought I was nuts, but I was, I was pissed. Not, not a fun time. Well, if you're wanting to stay up late like us on Saturday night, there is a plethora of games for you to watch late at night. My favorite of them, you can probably guess it. We are riding with the Utah Utes, minus 15 at Arizona State. And the reason is more about Arizona State, because I don't think a major Power 5 program, not Duke, Kansas, Vanderbilt, anything like that, a major Power 5 program has ever been as down bad as Arizona State is right now. You lost to a MAC team at home at night, and then your coach gets fired on the field as the other team is celebrating on your 50-yard line. If you have not seen the video, it is all over Twitter, but it is very, very clear that the athletic director and university president are firing Herm Edwards in the end zone on the field, and in the background, Eastern Michigan players are celebrating their upset win over Arizona State. I don't think you come back from that as a team. Like I understand people are like, oh, interim head coach gets the guys fired up. First off, Utah's more talented. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. Cam Rising's playing really good football. They should have beat Florida. If they would have beaten Florida, they're a top five team in the country probably right now. They've manhandled San Diego State. Like I said, they would. Uh, they won that game 38-7, I think it was. I don't know. I stopped watching at halftime. Uh, Utah's going to blow them out the water in this one. As a bonus, though, Cal minus three at home against Arizona. Arizona, bad football team. Cal, not a terrible football team. I like Cal minus three at home. And if you want to get really frisky with it, your late night West Coast parlay, Washington, Utah, BYU, and Cal all to win plus 138 on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Really like that one. 
BYU bounce back game. We've already talked about Cal and Utah, Washington. I think a, a pretty darn good team as well. Shockingly, I, I was blown away by them. They got they have talent, and Penix has been a good quarterback when he's been healthy. So oh, I don't know. He was pretty bad at Indiana. I don't know. Same 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 guy, right? I'm like yeah, no same guy, Penix, same yeah. dude. I mean, he was pretty darn bad. Same <laughs> dude. So, yeah. Yep. He didn't look like the same guy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it did not look like that, but uh, I will I will tout my Washington pick right there. No one believed me, so I'm very proud of that one. Chris, your pick, your captain's choice. So, yeah, so I, I, I got it in my mind that I had to theme this off some sort of like nautical type thing because obviously it's the captain's choice, uh, captain's pick of the week. So I went with the Pirates of ECU week one hit. Thought, okay, cool. Now I got a theme. I got a big. I can go ahead and start hammering. So I got cute. Went with the Commodores. A little more sophistication to it. Ended up falling through. Then I went back to the pirate month, uh, pirate theme with uh, Mike Leach and Mississippi State. And, of course, that was a game where I thought they might be able to pull out. And they ended up having a very collapsing. What is it? Fourth quarter. I was on that, too. Uh, but the this is me and my, my pivot type moment. It wasn't about the pirates or the nautical thing. It was about the purple and gold. That's the real center part of the Cavs choice this week. So I found another good purple and gold team this week that I think is actually not only going to cover, but win straight up. And that is the James Madison Dukes versus Appalachian state this week. Great I pick. love them. I love Great them at pick. plus nine this week. So basically at this point, JMU didn't have kind of what we considered to be the, the standard FCS to group of five type migration or transition, whatever you want to call it as a program. They were already a group of five team that was playing still in the FCS years back. Uh, so basically, it's kind of like what we talked about in North Dakota State last week. They just need to start playing G5 type competition now because that's where they're already as a program. Um, it also doesn't hurt the fact that uh, the last few weeks they played pretty bad opponents but they've beaten the living crap out of them they're 2-0 with a 107 to 14 against middle tennessee state and norfolk state scoring differential um so that just kind of goes to show that they're already able to beat these types of teams pretty badly um, middle tennessee that is in terms of a group of five type competition uh app state just seems like they're the cardiac team this this year they're going to be playing these like awkward close games i think that's more of a product the fact that while they might be good they still have chase bryce as a quarterback and he's always going to do just as many maddening things as a quarterback as he will uh, in terms of just, I don't know, executing a Hail Mary that looked like it was doomed to fail and then it just bounces in their way and they end up winning the game on a last second score. Regardless, that still means it's going to be a close game and plus nine pretty much guarantees me that at most it's going to be a touchdown type win if it's going to be a close game. Um, and last but not least, you know, it was very, very weird seeing it. It was almost humbling, but the fact when I went on the SRS scoring uh, kind of rating system in terms of overall programs right now, James Madison currently in the top 15. Very weird to see that in year one in game three that they're already there. Uh, so they are really, really good and even across the board. And I feel like this is the type of game that they could actually come out a little bit because App State has a pretty good profile right now. James Madison beating them at least covering spread, but definitely beating them would raise their profile even up to a higher level too. So uh, give me the Dukes on the is, road in Boone. Is James Madison the best team in the Commonwealth right now? Ugh. That is bait. Are they? Not taking that bait. Are they right now? If, if this, if this week weekend, there is a tournament between old dominion, Virginia tech 
Virginia and James Madison and Liberty and, and Liberty. And we'll throw Richmond in there. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I, I, I was confident when we played on the road against ODU, if we had to play that same type of game on the road against James Madison, I would not be confident at all. Oh, no. No. In fact, we, we, we given our, where we're at right now, we should be an underdog in that game. No, we yep. would beat we would beat Old Dominion if we put them tomorrow by twenty one. Um, yep, I agree. I I don't, I, I don't know about UVA. I don't think they're very good. JMU, I haven't watched them. Talk, but talk about you blowing it! Holy crap! They should have UVA should have lost. It's probably some combination of Virginia Tech, JMU, and Liberty as the three best teams in the state right now. I would tend to lean towards Virginia Tech, um, but that's just my personal opinion. Well. We're going to find out just how good JMU is when they play Appalachian State. Fellas, that'll do it for this week. Should be a really fun weekend of college football. The Hokies will play West Virginia Thursday night. Hopefully, it is a happy Friday morning drive. Robert isn't here to sign us off, so um, who wants to sign us off? I'll sign us off. Go Hokies. Isabella, I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do Burdens on the 